We are the Riverside chapter of the Messengers of Recovery. We have chapters in Southern California and Arizona. We're a bunch of guys that either rode with the devil or chased him. We're the kind of guys that if you saw us in a crowd, you would think that if he can get sober, then so can I. We decided to throw our chip into the hat and talk about our recovery in the hopes that you can learn from this podcast that you don't have to use or drink even if you want to. We are not A-A-N-A-C-A-S-A, and no one is from the damn D-A. Once a week, we hope to bring you the message of recovery from speakers, panels, interviews, and sometimes just a meeting. If you'd like to find out more about us, go to our webpage, www.riversidechaptermor.com. There you can listen to the podcast, ask questions or comments in our forum section, browse our support recovery t-shirts, or just find out a little bit more about us. That's www.riversidechaptermor.com. My name is uh, Eric, and uh, I'm an addict. Eric. And, uh, <coughs> I, uh, my clean date is uh, September the 28th, 1996. And uh, the only reason I say that is uh, I'll get into my story and you'll see that that's a miracle. I had a different clean date and I got loaded. Um, I had uh, over 15 years clean, I got loaded. And I'd like to touch on that because, uh, you know, I identified as an addict and I, I did a lot of drugs. But uh, I also, I drank too. When I got loaded, the first thing that happened, we were, I was in Arizona, I was working on a ranch, we were stretching fence. It was February the 14th of 96. We, the day was done, we were done. Uh, the guy, somebody had a, a case of beer in the, on ice in the back of his truck and, uh, and somebody handed me a beer and I didn't even think about it. I did not even think about it. You know, I drank the fucking thing. That first time, I only had the one beer. But the next day, see, it set up that craving. You know, it talks about it. it talks about it in, in, in the big book, The Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, it talks about the cravings that you can get. The NA, uh, the big blue book. And uh, anyway, uh, the next day, I uh, I sent my uh, brother-in-law out, and he came back with a case of beer, and me and him drank it. You know, and then shit went sideways. You know, they, the, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a week and uh, I was out looking for some crank and nobody knew what the fuck I was talking about. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's meth, you know, and, uh, and so, and I, you know, I, I started doing lines and shit because uh, my background is, uh, before I got clean the first time, I'd, I'd been in a, an organization, <laughs> and uh, if you used a needle, you'd end up in the desert buried because they couldn't trust you. And so uh, I had a phobia against needles, so that I never did that. I did, however, 
the reason I got clean the first time is because I had I developed a, a minor heroin habit, which is bullshit. There ain't no such thing as a minor heroin habit. And shit went downhill then, and uh, I started look, doing crank, and, and then I started, I have a problem when I get loaded. I come down with uh, these, these uh, wonderful felonious ideas, you know what I mean? And they never really worked out too good. Uh, you know, I, it took six weeks from the February the 14th to when my old lady took the kids and went back to Washington State. I lost my job. I lost the house because they were providing me a place to live with the family on the ranch. I was living in an abandoned feed store, me and my dog. Six weeks. That's how fast everything went away. I wrecked my bike. It was in the back of a truck. And it went downhill from there. You know, and, and I, I, I uh, like I said, I come down with these really bad ideas. And uh, I spend a little time in the uh, Apache County Jail, and I spent some more time in the Navajo County Jail. And uh, um, I decided <coughs> that uh, perhaps I ought, to, I ought to leave the state of Arizona because I felt real unwelcome. They kept locking me up. I don't know about you, but I don't like being locked up. I don't like waiting for some asshole to come around and open up my fucking door in the morning. Uh, I don't like that. So I went to New Mexico. I went to Albuquerque. Was, uh, I, I knew a bunch of guys over there, and uh, I started running around with them, and, uh, and, and things got even worse. And anyway, uh, I, I got... I got so loosely wrapped that uh, they took my guns away from me. Um, the guys I was riding with took my firearms away. That's how, that's how loosely wrapped I became. Um, except for a derringer I had in my back pocket they didn't know about. And, um, I don't know if you guys have ever got to this point, but, but uh, I really I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop. I wanted to quit doing all this insanity. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. You know what I mean? I'm sure you all know what I mean. I just couldn't stop, you know? Um, I wanted to and I couldn't. I was sitting at the, uh, there's Angel Fire, New Mexico, up by uh, uh, Eagle Lake. It's up above Taos. It's up about five, 6,000 feet. <laughs> And uh, I was, there's a Vietnam Vets Memorial up there. And I, I was sitting there, I went over there, and uh, there was like the, the flags were in a thing, and, and then down below that, was the, there was some brush and that. And I, I was sitting in the brush, because that's what I, I do, I hide out, you know. And I was just sitting down there, and I'm, I was going to off myself. I just couldn't fucking stop, and I couldn't fucking stand doing what I was doing. And um, I was sitting there holding this fucking gun, and I'm thinking about blowing my brains out. I was just gonna fucking stick it under my chin. It was a 22 Magnum. That's the kind that uh, it'll penetrate real well, real well, but then it'll just rattle around inside your skull, and really, that's the end. Lights out. I heard two little kids. And I had little kids. At that time, I had uh, three little kids. 
I'd had four, and, and my oldest son had died, and so that started the slide that I went on, you know. Anyway, so I didn't do it, and I went back to where we were all camped out, and, uh, and I told this guy, his name was Doc 101, and he was, uh, he'd done two tours in the NAM as a combat medic. And we'd, we'd been in some of the same places at, 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 uh, I was in a different organization then. And the next day, he trick-fucked me into going down into Albuquerque. He said he had to go to the, the VA. And so I'd, I went with him. Um, I thought it was a little odd because this old lady was behind us driving my truck. And, uh, he went in. He went in and told him I was a danger to myself and others, which was true. And uh, these two great big fuckers in a white coat came out, <laughs> and they uh, escorted me in. It was like uh, some of you have been to prison, so you know what that portico shit is. The, the, the outer doors open and you walk in, and then they close, and then the inner doors open, and you. It was a locked facility, and. Uh, I remember that part, but I don't remember what date it was. I don't remember anything. I picked this, the September the 28th is because that's when I came to my senses and I was all strapped down on this fucking Jesus board. It was nice leather with sheepskin and all that shit, but I was strapped down in uh, four point, five point restraints. I guess I had one across my head too because I apparently had been spitting at the fucking nurses. And, uh, so I, that was the 28th of September of 96. So if you do the math, from February to September was all that I was out there doing with shit, running amok and all that <coughs> crap. And, uh, and, I, and I end up in the fruit farm. They have a program there. I had, I had caught a felony I didn't even know about in, in New Mexico. And, and uh, they had a program there. Um, the, the VA did, and after I after I got out of the out of the uh, psych hold, they sent me to chemical dependency, and uh, they sent me to these programs. Uh, they housed us in a in a. It's, it, it's just, the, the whole system was kind of like the Salvation Army. They house you, they feed you, you know the they they uh, they, they force fed us the first three steps. You, you did them or else, and it, it, it's the way things are set up. It's, it was like being back in the military, and I did a lot of time in the military, so you, you just follow orders, you know what I mean? Anyhow, I'm, I'm rattling on here, and the reason I'm, I'm touching on it is because the Salvation Army reminds me of that. You know, it's all men, um, you, you're housed together, it's like being back in the military. <coughs> For me, it was, and and, uh, and it worked. It worked because that was 26 years ago, and I have not had a drink or done any drugs in 26 years because I I, I desperately don't want to go down the same road. You know, I'm older than dirt now, and I mean, I don't think I'd make it through it. You know. Um, Plus, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm, I'm real happy uh, doing what I do. You know, I, I go to meetings. Um, I, I may have been 
clean for a little while now, but uh, I still go to at least three meetings a week um, just just to see what happens when you don't go to meetings. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, I, my life turned around. I got out of there and my life turned around. I didn't actually get out of there. I threw a guy through the window because he took my money and so they kicked me out of there. <laughs> I, was, I was in there from... No, I don't know. I was, I was in the VA hospital from uh, September sometime to uh, January 20th of uh, 97. I, I ended up on the streets and, uh, and uh, through a, a series of fortunate things, I, I, ended, I, went back, I got back to San Diego and I went back with, and I was living with my daughter and her baby and and it's been all, it's been just uphill since then. It's just been like one blessing after another. You know, uh, I got reconnected with my higher power, which I, I happen to call God. And um, I hope that didn't offend nobody, but uh, you're, gonna, <laughs> you, you're gonna find that it's absolutely necessary to have a higher power <laughs> Which you, you know when you you've got to realize that there's some something greater than you, and he is going to help you. All you got to do is ask. And uh, in any event, uh, I got married again. Uh, eventually, all those kids came back to live with me. Um, my wife helped me raise them and hers and, and you know we just went on and uh, they're all grown now and, uh, and none of that shit would have happened if it hadn't been for me getting stuffed into the VA and then finding a program you know and uh and that's enough out of me. I, my name is Eric, and I'm an addict. Mike, alcoholic. Mike, you know, I'm going to start by thanking God because of him. There's places like this, means like this. It's because of, you know, means like this that I have a relationship with God today. And it's only because of that relationship that I've been able to maintain my sobriety date of 2208, which gives me. 11 days, 11 months, and 14 years tonight. Um, say in that order, you know, just to remind myself that the days are more important than the weeks, more important than the months and the years, you know. So it's what I do today. It's going to help me put my head down tonight sober. Not what I did yesterday, last week, or last year. You know, I, I've seen it happen to me times. People you know, forget that pain and suffering that brought them into these these rooms and they they go back out there. You know, I, I don't want to ever forget that I have to do something on a daily basis. I'm looking around the room right now and I'm reminded of how fucking miserable it is out there. Some of you guys look like you're barely fucking alive right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. And, you know, it reminds me. It, it reminds me of how I was when I fucking first came in. You know, I'll, I'll get to that, but I'll start with, you know, I, I swear I was born an alcoholic, I'll, I'm going to die an alcoholic, and I, I pray to God that my first 27 years on this earth, I consumed all the fucking alcohol and drugs that 
you know, uh, that was allotted to me. Because, you know, I, I, I did a whole lot of fucking drugs, a whole lot of fucking alcohol. I started in sixth grade. And even before that, before I even fucking put a substance in my body, you know, through some reflection, you know, through working some steps with, with a sponsor, I realized, fuck, I was acting like an alcoholic as a fucking toddler. I'd fucking jump out of trees fucking for adrenaline. If fucking something tasted good, I wanted all of it. I'd fucking go spin around in circles until I got dizzy because it made me feel different. You know, th those were fucking straight up alcoholic behaviors at a young age. If it fucking felt good, I wanted more. If it felt good, I wanted more. You know, it's that simple. And I can remember in sixth grade, I, I had the idea, me and a couple friends, were, you know, we're gonna skateboard over and, you know, have someone buy us some 40s and get drunk. You know, in sixth grade, I, I, I made that conscious decision. And we skateboarded over, you know, the fucking liquor store where had, you know, one of the homeless guys that hung out outside that would buy anyone alcohol if you bought him a fucking 40. You know, we all know that we all know that had the liquor store when we were fucking kids. You know, so we bought him a 40 and, you know, I got some of that good shit, fucking old English. You know, that, that fucking smooth fucking booze. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it was. So, you know, went behind the liquor store and, you know, me and my friends were drinking and, you know, he was drinking the, the homeless guy was drinking his and, you know, all of a sudden he starts smoking some weed and he's like, well, you want some of this too? You know, the first, mind you, first time I had to go out to fucking get drunk, offered some fucking weed. I'm like, yeah. Fuck yeah. Because, you know, <clears throat> Old English tasted good. We fucking tasted nasty. It was popping, but, you know, it, it did the trick. I, I would like to say that, that I stopped there, but, I, you know, I, I felt so good. It, something crossed my mind. I, I heard someone say somewhere that if I fucking drank Robitussin, you know, that was fucking good, too. <laughs> you guys laugh. You know, it, I'm fucking drunk. I'm high. I have my skateboard. You know, I'm out of money by that time, but... You know, my pockets were big, so I skateboarded over to fucking Target and stole some 40s. Or not 40s, some fucking, you know, those... Yeah, the bottles. <laughs> They're about the fucking same size, but I didn't drink that. And I, I remember clearly sitting in there, these fucking chairs that sat on the ground, they leaned back. They're like kid fucking recliner type fucking chairs. I'm sitting there, you know, with my friends playing fucking Nintendo... Well, I stopped playing Nintendo. I just leaned back and felt like I was doing backflips. And I'm like, this is what's been missing my entire life. This is what be what's been missing. All that insecurity, all that, that, you know, everything that I was chasing was spinning in circles or eating fucking sugar or jumping out of trees. Yeah, I found it. And it worked. And it worked fucking well. And it was fun. For a long time. You know, all the way through fucking junior high, high school. You know, I was partying, having fun. You know, it, of course it led to it, the progression. It went from drinking, smoking weed, to a little bit of fucking acid and mushrooms and cocaine. You know, but I wasn't gonna do meth because meth was fucking dirty until I did meth. Until I did meth, you know, but at that time, 
you know, that I did all that in high school. Uh, any party there was, I was going to. Anyone that looked at me wrong, I was going to get in a fight with, and 90% of the time I'd lose, and then I'd go hunt them down and fight them again and get my ass kicked again. And I, I wish I could say I was this big fucking badass, you know, guy. I was a fucking drunk, belligerent <clears throat> asshole. Nine times out of ten, I'd try to fight you because you were three times the size of me and I thought I was fucking bigger than you and get my ass fucking whooped. And, you know, I graduated high school, you know, no issues really. You know, I was in, on the fucking wrestling team and just partied, had fun. And then my friends started going off to college and started going to having families. And, you know, I, I lost the people I was drinking with, the people that drank like me. And I, I remember... I set up a fucking vacation with some of them out at Lake Havasu. And you know, half of them didn't show up. I was fucking pissed. You didn't have fucking, half the people I drank with weren't fucking partying with me anymore. Uh, at the campsite, there's some Marines on the other side. And you know, I, I fucking look over there and you know, started drinking with them. They're like, you know, this is what we do. We fucking party every fucking weekend. We drink after work, we, we work and we fucking drink. I'm like, fuck yeah, it's a good idea. But I'm not gonna eat crayons, so I'm gonna join the army. So I fucking joined the army. And if you're a Marine, you'd understand that, you know, Marines eat crayons. But, so I, I ended up joining the army. To, that was my first adult fucking decision that was based on my desire to fucking get loaded and get drunk. Um, first fucking adult decision based on, you know, my alcoholism. And it was two and a half months before 9-11. Two and a half months before 9-11, I joined just a fucking party, and at the last two weeks of boot camp, where you're, you're out there playing war, you know, the 9-11 happened. And they're like, we're going to war. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, we're not going to war. I didn't see the newspapers, I didn't see the TVs. I'm just like, you guys are full of shit, you just want us to take this more serious. So I didn't even believe them. I didn't believe any of that shit was happening until after I got out of fucking boot camp. And, you know, it took a while before we invaded Iraq, but, you know, they sent me to my schooling, and there I was fucking doing the same thing I did. Now I had a reason to drink, though. I'm going to war, I have a reason to drink. But I, I wasn't drinking for fun anymore. I was drinking because I was fucking scared. So it, it was no longer a fucking good time. Well, it was still kind of a good time. You know, I, I let go, you know, dropped some of my morals and values and, you know, started screwing fucking other soldiers' wives. And looking back on it, I'm disgraced by what I did. But at the time, I did it. Ended up leaving there, going to Germany, um, still waiting to go to Iraq, but I deployed to Germany. I was there for two years, you know, did the whole German thing. At this time, I started waking up in fucking in alleys and on the street, you know, because over there they, they have something called wine fest and, you know, Oktoberfest and everything's a fucking fest. <laughs> and those wine fests, that wine's fucking strong. I, I didn't realize how, I didn't realize, you know, you drink a couple bottles of wine, you, you know, I started blacking out and waking up in fucking ditches. 
I mean, waking up and trying to get back to formation so I could go run and sweat out the fucking booths. I did this, you know, almost got a, you know, drunk on duty, ended up deploying, didn't get in trouble for it. So I guess I did get drunk on duty, deployed, and didn't get in trouble for it. So I, I we went over to Kuwait, waited for a minute, you know, we're there for about a month before we crossed over the berm. And they didn't have alcohol there. But they did have fucking Robitussin and dust off. So, you know, my alcoholic ass, I, I wasn't about to go to war sober. Fuck that. Fuck that. I stayed drunk the entire time. You know, whether uh, it started with Robitussin, dust off, and then I found out that the cooks had dehydrated grape juice. And I was, right? Fucking Pruno. But, you know, I wasn't doing the fucking nasty way. I had fucking, the wife sent us yeast. So, it, it, it was, you know, I stayed fucking drunk. So, I, you know, where I'm supposed to have my wits about me, I'm supposed to be looking out for my brothers. You know, I'm already fucking their wives. And now I'm fucking not even watching out for their lives. You know, it's some shameful shit looking back. But at the time, I was a guy fucking making barrels, five-gallon barrels of fucking wine, not giving a fuck about anyone. And then, you know, some shit happened over there, some shit I don't like to fucking think about. And I, I came back to Germany, and now nothing, nothing was fun. Fucking nightmares. I tried to drink the fucking nightmares away. I tried to fucking drink the intrusive thoughts away. And some more fucking shit happened. And I found out that I don't have to sleep if I do some more of that meth. And over in Germany, it wasn't meth. It, it was something else, but it same fucking shit. Um, did that. Was able to get, a, get back to the States. Picked my duty station. Ended up in Colorado. Um, Colorado Springs. Now, within within a month of being in Colorado Springs, I had a new drug dealer. I was drunk the entire time. This new kid that just joined the army, you know, I took under my wing, and he ended up getting booted out of the fucking army. You know, dishonorable, all that fucking bullshit. Lost his family within months of hanging out with me. Um, I ended up with a positive drug test, and you'd think I'd slow down. Because Article 15, I, I got in a lot of fucking trouble. You'd think I'd slow down. Instead, I just started carrying around a bag of fucking synthetic urine. You know, just carried around a bag of synthetic urine, and I had to use it once or twice to beat a couple tests. And I, I got the fuck out. I'd like to say I changed my life at that time, came back to California, you know, went, did whatever. I was too ashamed to come back here, where I'm from. Um, so in my mind, I'm like, well, fuck, I, I have a little bit of money from the army. Uh, you know, I was too fucking drunk and high to f really get a job. So I, I dumped all the money I had into fucking dope. And if I had dope in my pocket, I had a roof over my head. <coughs> and I, I think within seven months, seven months, I, I caught my 14 felony charges, one felony conviction. Um, the lawyer, the judge at the time tried to, you know, he, he cared about vets, tried to help me out, and he's like, go get registered in the VA, I'm gonna give you the lowest felony, put you on probation, you, you complete probation, you're good. 
I got enrolled in the VA. Ended up in a homeless shelter because I wasn't about to fucking get sober. I, I decided not to sell drugs anymore, but I was still going to get fucking high. And the whole time I was on probation, I was getting high, living in in now homeless shelters, and if I didn't have dope in my pocket, I was sleeping in the snow. It was fucking cold out there. Year and a half, I got off of probation, or informal probation, and then they put me on informal for the remainder of the time. Decided, well, fuck, I can come back to California and at least see my family. Well, on the way, I, I stopped at, you know, it was a girl I knew from the Army. I stopped at her house, and, you know, I got lost, fucking twacked out of my mind, so... You know, what was supposed to be a day turned into two months. Um, went back to Cal, you know, stayed there, went back to here, back there again, and something happened. You know, I, I, I had fucking probably about a quarter ounce of meth in my pocket, had some weed, plenty of booze, and some fucking pussy. But I was still fucking miserable. I, I was still miserable. I... I saw a picture of fucking Jesus on the wall, and somehow, I'm serious, it was either meth-induced psychosis, probably a meth-induced psychosis, but changed my life, so I'll call it a spiritual experience. Um, I hit my knees, and as at that time, I actually, that, that painful, incomprehensible demoralization, I, I didn't want to get high anymore. Uh, it, it stopped working anyway, so, I, I, but I didn't know how to fucking get sober. I hit my knees and cried out, you know, God, please fucking help. I don't want, I don't want to live like this anymore. And something in me said, you know, reach out. You know, you, you, I have good parents. You know, they're still married. Fucking, they've always been there for me. Only reason they weren't in my life is because I fucking was ashamed, kept them out of my life. I called them. I'm like, I, you know, I don't think you know this, but I, I'm a fucking alcoholic and a drug addict. They're like, yeah, you were just here. No shit. We fucking saw you. <laughs> You know, like I was fucking, you know, fooling them. I'm like, I don't want to use anymore. Like, stay there. We'll come get you. You know, I was in Arizona. Parents fucking dropped everything. Fucking came out to get me. You know, I, I ended up at that time giving my fucking meth to my now ex-wife. You know, so the, there's more to that story later on. Um, gave her the meth, fucking the weed, and crashed out until my folks got me into a fucking rehab. And I got kicked out of that rehab within two months. Not for drinking, not for using, but, but for being a fucking asshole. For being an asshole. I didn't want to drink, I didn't want to use, but I didn't want to change. I didn't want to work steps, I didn't want to get a sponsor, I didn't want to do anything. I just didn't want to drink and use. And I was fucking miserable. They kicked me out. I got in a sober, chicken shit sober living. You know, some of you go to these chicken shit sober livings when you get out of here. Some of you go straight back to what you're doing. I went to this chicken shit sober living, and I had learned one thing in those two months. Go to fucking meetings, and don't fucking pick up in between. And that's all I did. You know, but I had a resentment. I'm like, these motherfuckers don't know how to help a vet. They don't know how to help a veteran. They don't know what PTSD is, blah, 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 all these fucking excuses for my behaviors. You know, so I used the, the GI Bill and went back to school. Went back to school, 
to get a drug and alcohol certification because, you know, my narcissism said, you know, these fuckers can't do it, so I'm going to learn how to. Right? I'm going to learn how to. Well, the problem is I actually did learn how to. Um, it took me about two years before I started working steps. It took me about two years before I really started working with a sponsor. Two years of being dry. And the only reason I started working steps and started working with a sponsor is because it was either that or I was going to fucking kill someone or kill myself. It got that bad in sobriety. It got that bad just living without drugs and alcohol. Because if you remember when I first started, it was a solution to all my problems. And it was. And now I didn't have a solution. So I started working some steps. Started working with a sponsor. I started feeling better about myself. You know, I, I ended up graduating college with a bachelor's in human services. Ended up going over and, you know, stuff just started falling into place. God was taking care of me. You know, I ended up getting a job at the Veterans Hospital in Long Beach. You end up becoming a drug and alcohol counselor, you know, their rehab. You know, I ended up marrying that girl that when she called me about three years sober, going, I, I want to get sober, I ended up marrying her, having kids with her, getting divorced with her, having full custody of my kids. Um, so I, I've been married, divorced, got a bachelor's degree, got a good job. You know, I was homeless suicidal, homicidal, when I, when I first decided to get sober. Had nothing to my name. Today, you know, I, I got, the VA actually attached me to something called Veterans Treatment Court. So, you know, when you said the court has you here, you know, I, I work with a program that actually assigned, you know, recommends to the judge that people come to places like this. Um, I, when, the, when the VA doesn't have a program as structured or as intense or as long-term, which we don't, we do send people to the Salvation Army. Um, I, last time I saw a judge before I went there, I was being sentenced. Now I have a key card, they'll buzz me back to the judge's chambers. I'd be like, hey, you know, I, I think we need to do this with this vet, or we need to do that, or fuck, this guy ain't doing shit. You do what you want to do with him. And, you know, I have two houses today. You know, in Orange County, I have three daughters that have never seen me intoxicated because they've never been intoxicated their entire life. I have a fucking fairly new truck, two Harleys. I have an old lady now that, you know, that I actually have a good relationship with. You know, we build each other up instead of, you know, just, I was a leech before in my life. You know, I had attached myself to someone until they had nothing left. It's not like that today. I have a good relationship with my family. I ride with, you know, some good, solid guys that are sober and that like to give back the message. You know, my life has never been so good. And it, this is a direct result of, you know, putting my sobriety first. So if you want to have a good life, you can find how, how to do it with guys in AA, NA, I don't give a shit what. You know, ask someone that has what you want, how they did it, and fucking be teachable. Or don't drink and be miserable until you either fucking drink or put a bullet in your own head. <coughs> yeah, and if you're unsure whether or not you're an alcoholic and you don't know what the fuck you want to do, I encourage you to.
to do what the big book says. Walk your fucking ass over to a liquor store or a bar, order a drink, have just one, try this more than once. You have one drink, walk away, try this more than once. And it's worth the case of the jitters to have a, you know, have a good understanding of the nature of your disease. Because without that honest bit, without me being able to honestly admit I was an alcoholic, nothing was possible. Nothing was possible. Thank you for letting me share. This is Jeff, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Uh, I got 12 days, 11 months, eight years sobriety, nine years on the first. Um, we're out of time, so I'll be quick. I just want to thank my brothers for coming up tonight and, and uh, laying it out for you guys. Um, we are recording, but we put it on a podcast that we have called Biker Speaking Recovery. So if you're bored, you can pull up. I don't know where it's at. I don't know about that shit, but it's on Apple. It's on fucking anywhere where there's there a fucking Spotify thing. So there's some good good recordings on there. Um, we'll get you guys out of because we were late. So you heard it. I'll give you the basic breakdown of the program, both A and A. Real simple. We'll get a sponsor. Work the steps. Find your people within the program. It's probably one of the most important things. Find your people. Find your what you love in life. What you you know. For us, it's motorcycles and wrenching on bikes and riding and, and doing all this shit. That's why we belong to the club. But uh, find your people in recovery when you get out of here at the meetings. I don't care what you do. They're out there. Uh, I always say this: if it's underwater basket weaving, trust me, there's. Somebody that weaves baskets underwater somewhere. <laughs> um, that's how the program works. I don't care if it's NAACA, BA, NA Ugly, whatever. Sex addicts. They're all the same. SA. So thank you guys for letting us come out tonight. That was it for tonight from the Messengers of Recovery, Riverside. Make sure you tune in next week.